Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast again. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning. And it's Thursday, so that means we are back with the Why I Believe series. And uh, we've just had a wonderful time. We are going to um, switch gears, and we're going to be talking about the severity of sin. And uh, we're just going to do one episode. Now, a topic this broad, we could go on, I I believe, probably days upon days about the severity of sin. I think we all understand that, you know, obviously unrepented sin, you cannot make it to heaven. Um, You've got to be saved. You cannot be an habitual sinner. And uh, we're going to get into all that. But today we've got a special guest that's really going to help us. We're going to have a dialogue today. Um, Brother Zach's not with us. I know we do this a lot, but with me traveling and I've got all the podcast stuff with me and he's in Kentucky, it makes it hard because I'm free during the day and he's working during the day and I'm busy at night and he's free at night. So it makes it difficult, but this is what we got. But today, that's why we like getting special guests on here, and that is Pastor Joey Holden. Thank you for having me. And uh, help us talk about the severity of sin. And uh, so I just want to start out by saying uh, we were both backsliders um, yes. out of the church. And I think the reason I asked you to, to do this topic um, versus others is I thought that me and you could um, – Talk about the severity of sin. In Webster, in, a, in Webster's dictionary, he obviously says the quality of or state of being severe. But he goes on to say it's the condition of being very bad or serious, unpleasant, and harsh. The unpleasantness of sin, the harshness of sin, and that obviously, if you have unrepented sin in your life, you're not going to make it. Obviously, sin is bad. Obviously, sin is of the devil. We don't want to sin. But I want to specifically, um, and this is what we're going to talk about today, we specifically want to talk about the severity of it, the downhill trajectory of it, the down spiral of it. And the old saying is that sin will take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And that's kind of what we want to talk about. Yes, sir. Uh, but we do know that sin is real and it is black. And uh, J.C. Ryle, I believe it was, made the quote that uh, in his book on holiness, that if you really want to learn about the holiness of God, you have to have a good understanding of sin. And so I would uh, counter that by saying it goes hand in hand if you really want to know on the uh, uh, severity of sin and how terrible sin is, you have to have a picture of the holiness of God. And uh, that sin that separates us, we can go all the way back to the uh, to the beginning, and I know it wasn't the first sin, of course, Adam and Eve uh, there in the garden uh, committed the first sin as far as our human, um, you know, uh, humanistic uh, speaking goes. But uh, there in Genesis uh, chapter number four, when Cain, you know, when Abel brought his offering and it was uh, it was accepted by God, Cain brought his offering. It wasn't acceptable by God. And the Bible, you know, Cain was wroth. He was angry at God. Isn't that like sin? We do something that's against the commandments of God or against the word of God. And when we are rebuked for it, even as a child, we get mad at the one who has the authority, and it's his world. We are created in his image. 
And so it would uh, stand to reason that he could require of us whatever he wanted to require of us. And God told Cain that if thou doest well, then, then good, uh, since I'm paraphrasing here, but if not, sin lies at the door. And uh, sin is so uh, – that, that, that severity that you spoke about and you wanted to really concentrate on – Man, it is a, a, I guess, one of the greatest uh, severe consequences of sin in the short time is it is an immediate separator. It separated Cain from his family. It separated Cain from his brother. It separated Cain, obviously, the most uh, serious. It separated Cain from his God. And as a matter of fact, there in verse number 16 of chapter 4, the Bible says, And Cain went out. From the presence of the Lord, and uh, that—that's a picture of everybody that commits willful sin. I know that there are presumptuous sins. I know that there are sins of omission, omission, excuse me, <clears throat> that are horrible. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked me about, you know, what is a sin of omission? Well, if we know to pray, if we know to read our Bible, and we don't, that's a sin of omission. Does that mean that we're going to go to hell if we die that day, if we don't read our Bible? No, I wouldn't think so, because that would make the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ null and void. But it's still sin. Uh, But that willful continuing in sin and rejecting uh, the Word of God is going to force us on a downward spiral to be separated from God in the short term and at the end for eternity. Didn't know if you had something to add right there, if you was looking something up or no, what, go ahead. whatnot. Uh, um, we, we can go through the Bible. You know, the sin originates from within. James lets us know that uh, when we're tempted, let, uh, let no man say that when he is tempted of God, or that when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted, um, neither tempt he any man. But then he goes on to say that we're tempted by that which was within. When lust, you know, and that, that's more than just a sexual perversion, but it's, it's wanting something that God has forbidden us to have. And when it is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, yeah. when it's finished, bringeth forth death. Right. And... Um, I preached out of those texts one time on God don't play games. Yes, sir. Sin bringeth forth death. And there in Romans, I mean, it's exactly what it says. For the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. As a tree falleth, so shall it lie. Yes, sir. Mama's always told us, you know, you made your bed, you got to lie in it. Yep. And that was just another way of, of uh, using that and trying to get it into our thick skulls of how severe that is. Well, scriptures that ring in my mind when I think of sin is like there in Galatians where he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. He's not laughed at. He's not mocked. You don't make light of sin. You don't make fun of sin. And, uh, you know, for the wages of sin is death. And uh, that, that great message by, uh, oh, uh, was it R.G. Lee that preached on payday? 
I yeah. think it was R.G. Lee that preached on payday all the time. And the idea was that, you know, every week there comes the paycheck of the job and you, you earned it. You know, you, you work well most of the time. Yeah. You probably worked all week long for it. You earned it. And, and that's what the center's doing. Yes, sir. Racking up a paycheck, racking up a total. And one of these days you're going to be given that check, but you can't rip it up. You can't. You you can't give it back. No, you you've got to cash it. Yeah, you 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 wrote it. You you can't blame anybody else. You wrote the check. You paid for it. I, I preached a series here at uh, at the home church on the law, of the harvest, and it's not always bad. There's there's a good harvest too. Yeah, but w- it, you're going to receive, reap the same kind. You're not gonna you're not gonna throw the seed of corn in the ground and get potatoes. No. You're not gonna throw a, a potato in the ground, the seed of an onion, and get corn. It's not gonna happen. Whatsoever a man sow, it's gonna reap the same kind. We can't we can't sow things that are good and reap bad, and we can't sow things that are bad and reap good. I understand that it rains on the just and the unjust alike, but that's just the nature of being in the goodness that God created for us. And so time and chance happen to us all. But at the end, when the harvest is reaped, you're going to reap whatever you've been sowing. And sin, when it is uh, when it is realized, when that harvest is realized, and we we say it. I think you've already mentioned it. That it'll it'll take you uh, farther than you want to go, keep you right. longer than you want to stay, and and it's become quaint uh, because so many people have used it. But it still bears out a truth. That prodigal son, that sin that separated him from him and his father, took him to a place that just a few years, however long he stayed, just a few weeks, months. He was doing things that no doubt at one time he would have said he never would have done. Now, you know, a little bit of my background, I know we've talked a little bit about my testimony, but uh, my mom and dad got a divorce. I only really remember being saved one time as a, as a young man. But I do know and I, I realized um, what the presence of God was like. And, uh, you know, went to youth camp. I heard Brother Don Rich preach on hell, you know, so real that you would have thought he was from there, you know, describing <laughs> hell at Fairland camp meeting, different places. I, you know, I heard Brother Joey Height and, and, and all of Brother Neil Bridges reaching for the lost, you know, as a young man. And he'd go on and on. The list can go on and on. And I, right. I heard all that. So I knew the presence of God. And yet... Because I refused to submit my life to the will of God and the Word of God, that little bit of sin that started with whatever you want to call it, uh, stubbornness, rebelliousness, uh, um, bitterness, anger, it, it took me into a place and it exposed me to things that I wish I'd have never seen. I wish I'd have never partaken of. I wish I would have never experienced but sin is a mockery. It'll make a mockery out of your life. It, it'll yeah. take an innocent. Um, notice I didn't say holy. I said an innocent child. Uh, you know, a child is born innocent, but they're not born holy. There was only one baby that was born holy, and that was Christ. And uh, 
but it'll take that innocence that God has given, and it'll make a mockery. And the end there, it gets worse and worse. That we can go back. I think it's in the book of Proverbs where Solomon writes that uh, fools make a mockery of sin. They begin in such small little incremental, um, um, you know, entryway into sin until at the end they're laughing about a sin and they're taking pleasure in others committing sin. And that's what sin does. It, it, it denigrates. It denigrates the human body. It denigrates uh, relationships uh, to all of a sudden, uh, you know, a parent can't trust a child because the child can't tell the truth. Right. Or a spouse can't trust, you know, the one that, you know, is the wife of their youth or uh, the husband. They, they can't trust their word because they're, they're lying about where they've been or what they've done. It just it has a slow progression Till one day they wake up and they don't even recognize who they are. Spiritually, you talked about you know what sin will do. Spiritually, there's only two choices. You know, a lot of folks may think you know, well, I'm not saved. I don't serve the Lord, but I'm not a bad person. You know, I I'm not this. I'm not that. But spiritually, there's only two choices, and that's what Matthew six and twenty four tells us. And it says, no man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one, love the other. He will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I've often told folks, and sometimes it's hard to swallow, but if there's only two masters, then you either serve Christ, you're a servant of God, well, that only leaves one other choice. Yes, sir. And so you're either a servant of God or you're a servant of Satan. And to tell some, you know, to look at somebody in the eye and say, you are a servant of the devil. I mean, that's pretty harsh words. Yes, sir. But according to the Bible, that that's the only two choices there is. There's heaven or hell. There's, there's no neutral saved ground. or lost. And there's God or Satan. And so if you're not saved, you're a sinner. Well, if you're a sinner, who's the original? Who's the master? Yeah. Who's the one that's trying to get you to sin? Who's the one that's tempting you with it, pushing it towards you? The master of sin, the devil. And so that, you know, I know it's harsh words, but, you know, you're either a servant of one or the other. And that's one, that's another reason why sin is so severe. That's why you can't be a good sinner, quote unquote. Yeah. You can't leave church and say, well, I'll just, I'll be a good sinner. I won't be the, I won't be the one that goes out and becomes an alcoholic. I won't be the, the murderer. I won't be the, the guy on the bar stool. I won't be the one that, you know, I won't be, I won't be physical. I won't have a temper. You know, I won't be that bad. Yeah. I'll just not serve God. You can't say that. You can't. My grandfather, I, I didn't hear it. I mean, he, he passed away when I was eight years old. But an old-timer told me he heard him preach uh, a message one time, uh, not good enough, or too good to go to hell, not good enough to go to heaven. And what he's pretty much saying is, yeah. your righteousness ain't going to get you nowhere. That's a good title. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, you know, back to that point where in Genesis chapter number 4, when God's speaking to Cain, he says, it's desire to, to possess you. It, 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 its desires to master you, I think, is how it uses it. And, and what that pictures is, or what that uh, makes a picture of, 
is that sin comes from your own lust inside, and its desire is to master you. Its desire is to devour you. And Paul lets us know, I believe it's in Romans uh, chapter 6, where, you know, six or seven, where whoever you're serving, that's your master. You can't say that you've named the name of Christ, yet you have not departed from iniquity. It goes hand in hand. If you name the name of Christ and are a true believer in Christ, you're going uh, to leave the sin. You're going to, instead of letting sin be your master, by His grace and Him working out that grace in your life, you're going to master that, those old affections, those old desires, those old, old longings, as He sanctifies that out of you until one day, on the, and we might not want to get there uh, right now, this might be the end of the deal, but you become a person who Christ wants you to become, and then you don't even hardly reckon, you know, we told our testimony, uh, I don't know if it come across, I know you and my wife really, but it was very emotional for me. Mm-hmm. Because I, I look back at that time, now that I've been, you know, following after Christ uh, for the number of years that I have, and it's I don't even recognize that person. Well, it, it works in reverse. Yeah. You can get so far and led, you know, essentially led around by the nose by Satan and the sin that uh, he throws in and that that enticement of it until at first you're like, oh, this is fun and games. I just want to enjoy this for a little bit. And then you don't even, uh, I know I said it before, but you don't even recognize who you are. It took me so far, Brother Austin, that even though I knew what I knew and I'd been in some of the camp meetings of you know, Bristow, you know, in Fairland and, mm-hmm. and all of the different places and the youth camps that I went to as a child that I can take you to a place if we could physically go there. I doubt we could physically go there, but I was in the Middle East, and it was the last night. We was about to get shipped out. I knew I was going to get out. I'd done my four years, or at that time, almost four years. I knew we was going to have, a, uh, you know, about a month on the Navy vessel back and stopping at a few places, but I knew, barring some catastrophe, that was going to be my last time in the Middle East. And I remember thinking as the sun set and asking myself, is there even a God? That's how far sin will take somebody. Yeah. It'll take them further than they... Four years prior to that, I would have laughed at the thought of somebody asking themselves, is there even a God? But because in those four years, I had seen things that um, I should have never seen. I'd heard things. I'd witnessed things. I'd even partaken of things that I should have never partaken of. But now, at that time, Satan had taken me so far that I was questioning the very existence of the one who created me. I'm not going to say that I was an atheist, but the very fact that I had that thought yeah. is a uh, is a picture of how far Satan can take somebody. That's exactly right. I don't I don't guess I ever really had that thought, um, but I do remember. I don't know if I've even said it on this podcast before, but I was in the army there for there when I was 18. I, I signed the papers when I was 18, and I was 20. 
um, not too far from 21 when I um, got out. And I remember just all the, I had backslidden and rebellious on God and just the severity of sin. You know, I didn't care. I was 18 years old. I've been in the Holiness Church for, I mean, I was dedicated in a Holiness Church. Brother Ed Ralston, Brother Ryan Ralston's dad, dedicated me as a baby when he was pastoring in Dayton, Ohio. And, uh, and then, I, you know, I was raised at Dryden Road from the age probably three on through my childhood. And then when I was probably uh, 16, maybe 17, um, we had moved over to the Highway of Holiness. Brother Pascarella was the pastor there. And I attended there for just a short time, uh, maybe a year, year and a half. And I joined the Army, and I just ran. And uh, the severity of sin, a church boy that had, I'd promised God at youth camp I would never drink i would never do drugs i would never do this i would never do that and i went through and done everything i promised god i'd never do and the severity i thought i'd never do it i'd never even you know even in i remember in basic training people would be acting so crazy and i thought i'm not going i'm not going to be like that yeah you know i'm not going to church i don't profess to be saved i was very bitter on different things that had been going on in my life and in my family and things and just the devil just took a lot of things and ran with it. Yeah. And I let him, you know, not having a prayer life and not reading your Bible will lead you to a life without God. Those are the main I mean, that's what you've got to do. Yes, sir. To to, to make it. And I wasn't praying, wasn't reading and uh the facts were my family wasn't very faithful to church. We missed church all the time. And I think all all of that together in different situations in life just compiled upon each other and caused a lot of bitterness in my life, and I had to pray that through later on. But thankfully, I was only out a few years and not still today out. You know, I've been back in church for going on 10 years, and what God has done is amazing yeah. um, now that we're full-time evangelists. But I, you can never forget, you know, going through those times of, uh, you know, being drunk and being high and going to parties and clubs and, just you know, and I'm not trying to relish in that. I'm not proud of that at all. Of course, not. I don't think that's funny. I don't. I don't think it's something to to make light of. And it's like, oh yeah, I done this. I done that. No, I, I wished I'd have never touched it. I wished I'd have never, you know. And, and sometimes I wondered if I should have ever joined the military because that was it enabled that. My mindset wasn't right. If I could have went in as a Christian and just, I, I, if I'd have went in at a better time. You know, but I went in wanting to go further in sin, and the devil just enabled it. He put the right people there at the right time in his eyes, and it just took me so far, yes, Brother sir. Joey. And I don't—I never got to the point where I didn't believe in God, but I never thought about him. I tried not to think about church. I didn't talk to nobody. From I mean, I disassociated myself from my upbringing and from church altogether. And I've not really said much of this on the podcast up until this point, but I just feel like it needs to be said, the severity of it. That's what I just felt like saying in this episode, and I think we we're both in kind of the same boat. We never thought we would go that far. No. It took me farther. I hope my kid, my kids will never know the severity of my sins. Amen. I remember Brother Russell McDonald when they was honoring him at the uh, minister's meeting a couple years ago. That uh, man, he kind of broke down and said, I, "You know, he'd been so ashamed if they'd, uh, you know, if they had a projector or something to that degree, and uh -huh. plastered all of his sins up on that wall." And man, when he said that, I related so much to that. 
that, uh, you know, God has done work in me and my wife's life. And, you know, I still remember it's a great song that's out right now. You know, basically, I can't wait for the day when I, I can't remember what God's forgot because sometimes it'll still torment my mind. Yeah. And uh, and that's what the devil, you know, wants to do. But, I, you know, another thing in that, that severity is I got out and lived like the devil because I was running with the devil. And, uh, man, I would go weeks and months without even, you know, talking uh, to my mom. I forgot one year it was my mother's birthday. I mean, how you know, what kind of a child does that? Yeah. Other than somebody that is living in sin mm-hmm. uh, to that degree that they're so, I mean, sin by its very nature is very selfish. You don't want what God wants. You want what you want. Yeah. You know, sin took me to a place where when I got out of the military and came home, and I lived by myself. I worked a factory job. I made a $10 an hour Worked 48 hours a week and had my own apartment, and I was just backslid. Um, but when I got out of the military, all the influences that I'd had in the military, I mean, any the military, anybody that's ever been in it, is it, you do what you want to do. Um, they act like, you know, you can't do drugs because you take a drug test all the time. That ain't true. There are so many drugs that go through the military that they can't test for. Oh yeah, you can you can have a clean test all the time. I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. I should have been dishonorably discharged many times over. But the drugs that people would go through there, I wish I'd have never done that. Oh no doubt. Every you know, I don't think about it every day, but you just think about it, and you're like, God, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be where I'm at today. And you you think about that, and I remember going down the road, and um, it it had been several years since I'd been married and saved now. And over, we was listening to Christian radio, and over the radio um, came an announcement to all parents and children. There was a new drug that was out, and they gave the name and things, and they said, beware of it. Don't mess with it. It's new. Um, it, it'll kill you. It could stop your heart instantly, first time. And I looked at my wife. I said, I did that same exact drug for months and months and months, sometimes every day, sometimes two and three times a day. And it was so new and such a new combination of different drugs, the military had no idea. They couldn't test for it. It was so new and on the streets. And, you know, we was in a, where we was at, you could buy it in smoke shops. I mean, it's it was so new. And it would, I mean, brother, I remember laying in bed with my heart beating outside of my chest. And I thought, I could die right here laying in my bed on base. Yes, sir. Overdosed. You know, mine was more uh, the alcohol persuasion uh, as far as just how far. And, you know, we would it, it celebrates it. It glorifies it, which is what sin does. Yeah. That's why in my preaching, you know, it's, it's part of my testimony. I've used it. You know, there have been miracles. God woke my grandma up one time when I was in the Middle East, and I was in an impact zone of friendly fire. And, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost said Joe is in trouble, you know. And so, I, you know, I use that kind of stuff. But I've had young men come up to me. I want to join them. And I don't even question it. I don't even have to pray about it. It's not the will of God. That's what I tell yeah. them. It is not the will of God. Uh, now, some people might think I'm wrong for that. But yeah. I, I just that's, that's where my stand is on that. I've had uh, young men close to me that wanted to. And, and I just tell them it's not the will of God. 
And uh, because I can remember, you know, we, we laugh about, you know, those no restraints. And when I was in, um, now you have to even be 21, supposedly, to, to, to drink legally. But when I was in, anywhere, if you had a military ID, you could drink at 18. Yeah, they're very, very loose on base when it comes to drinking. Yeah, on base, it but don't matter. even when I was in, you could go to a bar outside of base. If you had a military ID, that was as good as being 21. didn't matter if you was 18, 19. And they changed that actually when uh, just shortly before I got in or got out, excuse me, they changed that. But then, you know, you'd, you'd have a bunch of buddies around, so-called buddies, you know, high time, good time. You know, we'd been mm-hmm. out training. We'd been overseas, had a lot of money and no sense, and God was not in our thoughts. The Bible condemns a people in Psalms. It says God was not in all their thoughts, and uh, that's where we was at. And we would laugh at each other of being yeah. drunk and, and, and throwing up on themselves and acting a fool. Because sin makes a mockery. I've often thought ever since the you know, years later, I'll be thirty one this year and just looking back to ten and twelve years ago where I was to where I'm at now, I just you know, I just about just sit here and cry about it. And uh, just where God's brought me from and where I wished I'd have never went. And I've often thought about the military bases and you know, I've been on several, my dad was in the Marine Corps. So I'd been on several bases, and then, of course, I'd lived on several bases, and I've been to several bases. And if you'll notice on a lot of military bases, as soon as you leave the gate, there are so many hotels and tattoo parlors and clubs and casinos and any amount, anything that is ate up with sin. Yes. All these sinful things, they just lined the outskirts of bases because you had all these military folks that had been working and going through the week and then the weekend comes and they just spend all their money on all this. So just sin, all this sin. And I remember, and I'm sure you can attest to it coming out of basic training, you take no cigarettes, no tobacco. Of course I wasn't doing any of this at that time. I'd only been backslid a few months. I was still a pretty good kid, Yeah, but I watched these people um, you know, I wasn't saved, but I, I wasn't doing a bunch of stuff. These people, I mean, no alcohol, no addictions, no bad music. I mean, we ain't even got a cell phone. We ain't got nothing for, you know, 12 weeks. When we graduate and everybody gets everything back, oh, brother, hmm. the severity, the insanity of sin. I mean, I watch people. I mean, at that moment, I had never, still had never done any drugs or drink. I had I was just watching folks and I was like I was just just in awe about how terrible because it was people that were addicted to stuff and they went three months without it and they didn't just continue going without it like that had been a good thing like hey I quit I made yeah. it three months I better not pick that up again but after three months brother I just watched people dive head first and loved every minute of it yes well look at the severity <clears throat> Look at the severity of sin as it affects our nation. I'm still I'm 45 uh, years young, and uh, <laughs> I can still remember when the tattoo was for the military guy, the old jarhead, the Navy sailor that uh, had spent a life in the military. 
and it was no other place. Um, I remember the first place I was where was in Africa, and they had one of the little native tribes come and do a little show for us where it was the first people that I seen with, like, bored-out holes in their ears. And now, after I got out of the Marines uh, in 99, about seven, eight years later, it's everywhere. Wow. It, it was a fa- Sin is so severe, it degrades the body that is made and, and created in the likeness and the image of God. There was a time when people had to, you know, they had to really fork out some money to go to what we call Sin City in Las Vegas, to go to the casinos and the nightclubs and different stuff like that. Yeah. But it was in one local, and now it's all over. Yeah. It's everywhere. Just right here in Bozer City in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is just right across the border. Yes, sir. Brother, the casinos, oh, my goodness. And all the sin that takes place yeah. in, in those kind of places are filled with people that at one time said, I'll never do that. I'll never spend my money, my grocery money, on a $20 bet. I'll never, mm-hmm. I'll never do that drug. I'll, I'll never do that line. I'll never, I'll never be an alcoholic, and it started with one drink. I'll never be a prostitute, and it, and it, st- it started with one night of indiscretion, of losing someone's purity and their innocence. I'll never do this. That's what sin does. It degrades to such a point that the severity is only realized at the end. It's not realized at the beginning. And that's where we was going. That's where I was going. But for the grace of God. You know, sin, we've talked a lot about ourselves, and my mind goes back to two particular Bible stories, and then we'll try to get off here. And the first one that comes to mind is David. Everybody knows the sin of David, but the severity of that sin has boggled my mind. And, uh, you know, how David was on the rooftop and saw the woman washing herself, the Bible says in Second Samuel 11, the woman was beautiful to look upon, and David, he should have never been on the rooftop. He was supposed to be in battle, and he did the unthinkable. And was with another man's wife, and then tried to cover it up. And he sends the letter to Joab by the by the hand of Uriah, you know. And he sends that letter, and uh, and to have him killed. And Uriah is placed in the front lines. He's killed in battle. Now David, he's an adulterer. He's a soon to be father. He is a murderer. He's a murderer indirectly, but a murderer. And he marries Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan. We all know the story. He says, Thou art the man, and uh, for thou hast did it secretly. And God, God dealt harshly with David's sin and said that the sword will never leave your house. And that phrase right there has boggled my mind. The sword will never leave your house. And that baby of Bathsheba was the first one to pay the price. Yeah. That baby died. Well, then his son, later on, Amnon, would be killed by his brother Absalom. And, incest. and then you go on, Absalom would be killed by Joab. And then Adonijah would be executed later on by his son Solomon. His executive orders was to ex- execute an Adonai, Adonijah. And, uh, and so David, David took another man's wife in secret. And then you read on through the word of God, David's wives would be taken in public. 
You read on where he defiled Bathsheba, who was somebody else's daughter. Later on, David's daughter, Damar, would be defiled. And then you go through, and I know I'm going through it quickly, but Absalom tried to overthrow David. He wanted David's throne. Well, David's men was just too much for Absalom's men. Right there in that battle, David's men were so good fighters, 20,000-some men were killed in that battle between David and Absalom. 20,000 men were killed. And then 2 Samuel 18 and 33 is the scripture that I've preached for many times. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would to God I'd have died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son. And you go through that story. David sinned. And because of David's sin, thousands upon thousands of men died in battle because the sword never left his house. His own children died because the sword never left his house. All because of David's sin. And this may sound harsh, but David really didn't have a right to cry out for Absalom because it was David's fault. David cried out for Absalom. I would have died for thee. Well, David, if you wouldn't have sinned, the sword wouldn't have left the sword wouldn't have been in your house like that. And generation after generation after generation is suffering from David's sin. And we still see that today. The alcoholic grandpa raises his son and he drinks because daddy drinks. And then his son drinks because he drinks. And now all of a sudden you got five generations of alcoholics because one man picked up the bottle. The severity of it. It don't stop with you. It goes on and on and on. And that's exactly, you know, you, you think about the judgment. How I raise my boy, I'm going to be judged for it. And I may be dead and in the ground, but if I raise my boy to be a sinner and I push him in the world, I'm going to be judged for things that I didn't do. I'm in the ground, but I'm going to be judged for that because I put it in him. Yes, sir. Same thing with the adulterer or any other sin you want to. I've seen it time and time again. Right, any, any sin. One man or one woman uh, opens the door to a particular sin, and oftentimes, I'd say more times than not, it it is easier for that next generation to open the door to that same sin because it's been in that, that spirit that comes with that sin. I'm not saying everybody is devil-possessed, but that spirit, you've opened the door to a spirit, and now... The children are around it. They grow up with it. The grandchildren are around it. They grow up with it. Whether it is adultery, alcohol, drugs, or bitterness, it doesn't matter what it is. In in all those points and so many others, it allows that family gene to be passed on because that spirit is attached. It's opened the door and it will destroy just like it destroyed previous generations. And it, it, it does that so many times. But how many times can we go back to the Scripture? Because sin, sin has a way of multiplying. It, it, it has a way of, of growing, a snowball effect. But I'm so thankful that the Holy Ghost had Paul put it in there that where sin doth abound, Grace did much more abound. Yes. He is the generational curse breaker. Where sin is big, grace is bigger. Yes. 
And that grace can cover and not only just cover, get rid of the sin. It gets rid of it, laid no more to our charge. As somebody who was great in sin, that speaks to me. I, 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 I love Christ so much because of what he's done for my life. But I've preached it. I know you've preached it. We tell it to our churches. I tell it to my church that the same grace that saved me and pulled me out of sin to where I'm no longer that sinner anymore, but I'm a saint. That same grace that pulled me out of sin is the same grace that can keep my children from sin. Right. They can have that testimony. Well, that was dad, and I'm thankful for it, but I never knew that. God's kept me all these years. That's that's my goal. You know, I know his testimony, but I have no recollection of that. I don't. I, I can't relate to that. And, uh, and that's just the amazing, the grace of God that He could turn our lives around. But my wife, her testimony is so different. Pastor's daughter, you know, she's been in church all her life. She, she don't never remember a time that she just went out and. You know, she was born a sinner. We all was. Everybody was. But she's not experienced what we've experienced. I wish a million times over I could switch my testimony. I wish I could take hers. I wish I had that. And now my goal is I want my kids. I've got five kids. I want my five kids to have the same testimony as my wife. And they can. And that's my goal. That's my goal. I want to raise me and Zach done an episode at the beginning of the year on building an ark to the saving of your house. Yeah. That's my goal. That's my goal. My wife has said many times, uh, talking to different young ladies or her own daughters or uh, uh, or other young folks that we've come in contact with, yeah, she didn't have a heritage in church, but she could start one, and yeah. she realized that. That's awesome. And so we talk about these heritages of people passing on, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction or whoremonger or prostitute or lying. Or, and it is a real thing. That generational curse is a real thing. But you can start something the other yeah. through the grace of Christ. Yes, you can. But uh, I think we would all be naive to say that I think everybody has sinned since they got saved. Yes. We're flesh. Yes. Everybody has messed up and needed to repent. And that's why the Bible says in First John 2 and 1, we've all quoted it and preached it. My little children, these things are right unto you that you sin not. Don't sin. That right there cancels that whole doctrine right yeah. there. Don't sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And if any man sin, there's grace. Yeah. And if any man sin, mess up, there's grace. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I've messed up. Since the moment I got saved, but by His grace, Thank God for the I'm blood. still here. Ten years later, I'm still here. I'm 30 years old, and 27 of 30 years I've been a part of this Holiness Church, and I'm not sad about it. I don't want to be a part of nobody no. else. This is, in my opinion, the best life. Yes, sir. Joe Osteen wants to say this is the best life right now. This ain't my best life right now. There's a best life to come, but in this life. I'm living the best I can. I'm in holiness. I believe I'm living. Uh, man, I I can't even get it out. I just I just feel it. This is the best, the it, best it, people, the best church. I love it. I started this out by mentioning the uh, 
loose reference of J.C. Ryle in talking about if you really want to know about holiness, you got to know about the darkness and the blackness of sin, and I, I kind of reverse that. But I've often said, and I've told my children, I've told my church, I've preached it, that holiness is a relationship, and that is the best life that we can have now because it's the relationship that's going to take us to eternal glory. And uh, we have to have that relationship with Christ. We have to have that that holiness, that relationship with Him. I wouldn't want to do anything. I love my wife. There are people that are married that, for whatever reason, they stay married because they don't want to divorce while their kids are at home or whatever, but they don't really have a relationship with each other. I have a relationship with right. my wife. I wouldn't want to hurt her. I wouldn't want to offend her. That's the same thing with my God. I don't want to hurt Him. I don't want to offend Him. I don't want to make the cross of Christ null and void. That's why... I have a relationship. That's why I wake up in the morning and I try to serve God with everything. Holiness and holiness people have never done me nothing but good. That's uh, right. People, uh, it, it always amazes me, and uh, I apologize we're getting on tangent, but it always amazes me when I read there in Hebrews chapter 12, which says, Follow peace and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The very next scripture deals with bitterness and that root of bitterness. And that's because people are getting their eyes on man instead of getting their eyes on God. And if we'll serve Christ, if we'll follow Him, that sin that maybe somebody one time partook of and they went and the devil's trying to bombard their mind and the devil's saying you're not this and you're not that, you keep your mind on Christ. You keep your relationship with Christ. You follow Him. And one of these days you'll look back and say, you know what? I don't even rep- recognize that person that was a sinner anymore. I know right. it's me. I know it's who it was. But I'm not that person anymore. I've been born again. That's what Romans 10 and 13 says as we get off here. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the main reason of even doing this episode and uh, is that we can be saved. You know, we talked about the severity of sin, and we kind of just poured our heart to, to the listeners here. We just kind of poured our heart to you and tried to tell you from our experiences that sin will take you further than you want to go. And, you know, we could say a lot more things, but we, we've got to end this with you don't have to sin, you don't have to live in sin, you don't have to continue in sin, you can be saved. The blood can wash your sins away. There's not a temporary covering anymore. He'll wash your sins away. God not only forgives you, but he forgets all about it. And I tell you, that's the awesome hope that we have, the grace of God. We can be saved. We can be saved. Pastor Joey and myself, we're saved now. Amen. We're saved now. I don't have to worry about that old life. Yes, I have the scars of yesterday. I have the past that sometimes will rear its head up, and I have to pray and say, God, help me. God, help me, Lord. And, uh, you know, you you can't forget about that. And sometimes you see something or you hear something, you're like, oh, God, devil, I rebuke you. Don't put that in my mind. I don't want to remember that. But thank God I don't have to live in that anymore. You know what? When, when, that, when that memory comes up, I can hit my knees in the Holy Ghost. I can be speaking in the heavenly language in seconds because the Holy Ghost is there. Because yes. he said he's the God of all comfort. And I'm so thankful that I am saved. And as we get off this podcast, I thank you, Brother Joey, for uh, being on here. And just everything that you had to say, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for having us. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. And we appreciate you very much. God bless. 
Yes, sir. We're going to get off here and we're going to end with a different song here today. My wife wrote this song, her and my brother-in-law, Zach, who's the other host of this podcast. Um, she wrote this song. They have a uh, another CD. that We've got several CDs, but one of the CDs, they put this on here. And she wrote this song about I'm saved. And I just want to let this play through here at the end of this podcast. We can be saved. We'll see you next time. <laughs>